0: Our, uh, scripture reader for today, scripture reading for today will come from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 10 through uh, chapter 7 uh, verse 14. Ecclesiastes 6:10 7 through 14. This is the word of God. Whatever has come to be and already name, been named and is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he, the, wor- the more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of the death and the day of death that the de- than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it. Will lay it to heart sorrow is better than laughter uh, for for by sadness of faith the heart is made glad the heart of the wise is in the house of the morning the house the, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth it is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the songs song of fools for as the uh, crackling of thorns under a pot so is the laughter of the fools this is also vanity Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick, and your spirits become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, Why were, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is a go, is good with an inheritance and advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of the wisdom is like the protection of money and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make who can make straight what he has made crooked? And the day of prosperity will be joyful. In the day of prosperity will be joyful. And in the day of adversity consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All right. Thanks, Brady. Well,
1: okay, we are continuing this journey through Ecclesiastes. Um, You know, I guess it was five years ago, spring break 2020, uh, when the world stopped, right? Uh, So so we all have our stories about where we were, when everything happened. Uh, for, for us, uh, uh, me and the boys were were, were watching a, a basketball game and I remember the we were waiting on the, the Utah Jazz game to, to come on and it was delayed. No one really knew why it was delayed. You know, COVID was a thing, it was kind of happening, but we didn't know what was what, what the what the story was. Um and then all of a sudden the announcer said the game's been canceled. Everyone please go home. And so, you know, it was just kind of shocking and Everybody started to, to go home, and then after that, you know, we started to hear other things, and um, my wife and daughter, they were overseas. And so in like an hour of time, it went from this kind of this thing that's kind of happening in the news that's out there to this thing that just shut down the world. Um, and so um, one thing that was kind of, uh, you know, so, so in between, about, about a month or two after that, people started to develop strong opinions on, on, on what we should do with, with COVID stuff, But there is this sweet period for about, I don't know, a week, a month, where just no one knew what was going on. You know, no one knew what to do. And I remember between like Wednesday, that Wednesday and Sunday, I think we sent out three emails about what we're going to do. The first email was, hey, all systems go, see you Sunday. (laughs) Then about like, I don't know, the next morning, um... Okay, we'll do it a little bit different. So, the second email said something like, something silly like, okay, no childcare and let's not shake hands. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think I, I said a little something about how uh, George Washington would bow rather than shake hands. And so, that was my COVID uh, interpretation there. It was like, what, what did George Washington do? We'll, we'll do that. Um, and then eventually, like another 24 hours went by, just like, we're just not meeting. And, um, and you know what? Everybody was super cool about it. No one, you know, called and was upset. Everybody was just like, "Yeah, I mean, gosh, what, what, what do you do?" And so, there was just this. It, it didn't last long, but there was a sweet period where just none of us knew what to do. None of us knew what was going on, and everybody was super cool. <laughs> that, that we just that, that we, we just know what didn't, was didn't going know on on. And, and so, and, and so in, in, Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes, we see something we see interesting. Something interesting. And I, I think with this text is starting, text to, is starting to push, out, to push a out a bit. Is that none is of that us none really know, what's, really going know what's going on? Like, like generally, generally speaking, uh, no, one no one knows what's going to happen, gonna happen in, the in the future. No one, no one knows. knows. We're, we're, mostly we're, we're mostly clueless. clueless. And four, and four times in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes we, we read, we, we, we read something, something almost identical to the last part, part of, we'll of what we read in chapter 7, 7 verse 14. Verse 14, verse 14, says, 14 this, says this, In the day of prosperity, day of prosperity, prosperity be, joyful. be joyful. In the day of adversity, day of adversity consider, consider God, made God has, has made the one as well as the other. As well as the other. Look, at this, look at this. So that, whenever we're reading the scripture, we see so that. that the here's the point.
0: So that man may not find out
1: anything that will be after him kind of a disappointing, you kind of <laughs> expect like something, something more. Then so then, that, so that man it, will not find out anything again. that will be after them. God has, given us, God has given us days of prosperity and days of adversity. And why? So that we won't know what's going to happen in the future. doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But what it does seem to, to, to mean is God apparently wants us to know that the future— What's going to happen in days, months, and years from now is a mystery. We don't know what will happen, and we don't really know what's going on now. And I think the goal of our text today is a bit odd, because I think that it is leading us to a place where we come to this conclusion. We just don't really know what's going on. And so, so here's how I want to approach the, the text today. And, you know, Ecclesiastes, is, it's a tough thing to teach through. I feel, like, I feel like it's almost like wrestling with kids. It starts out kind of fun, and then it's like there's crying at the end of it, like something. So so here's how I'm going to approach it today. Uh, first, I want us to see that, that uh, there's a question in the text being asked. And then second, I want to consider the answer that's given t- to this question. And then third, in light of that question and answer, there's something for us to consider. So that's how I'm going to try to work through this. So first, the question, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 10. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and and it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he, and he meaning God. So the preacher is saying here that God is sovereign over all that has come to be, and we are not able to argue with God about what has come about And then verse eleven addresses the idea of arguing with God about what has come to be, our current situations. And it says this in verse eleven: the more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? To arguing with God about what has come about, what has come to be, is a foolish errand. It is empty, uh, and to use the words of the preacher, it's empty. It's meaningless. Or what he says: whatever has come to be has already been named. Now, here comes the question in verse 12. For who knows what is good for man? Who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? And here it is again. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? So the question is this. What is good for man in this short and seemingly meaningless life? Life is short, and what, what the, the preacher in Ecclesiastes keeps saying over and over, it's this meaningless, it seems pointless. And if life is short, meaningless, and pointless, then what is good? Well, in verse uh, chapter 7, verse 1 through 12, the preacher tells us what is good in this short, meaningless, pointless life we live. So the answer, and we're going to find this in verses 1 through 12, and so six times in verses 1 through 12, we see the word better. And I think there's a connection between this is better and talking about what is good. So better or say more good. And so, so we're addressing this question in verses 1 through 12. And it's interesting because as the preacher describes what is good, it seems clear that he's speaking of, of what is better in light of living in a very difficult world. So we're asking the question, what is good? And here comes the answers. Verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. Having a good reputation is better than having nice things. We see this in Proverbs 22.1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. So what is good in a short, meaningless, seemingly pointless life? What's good? Having a good reputation. And the rest of uh, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, we read about death, but death is spoken of in a more positive light. So let me start again in verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of, the, of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is a vanity. So there's a way of living our lives that is committed to life as a comedy. Like, like it's, it's all, everything's happy, everything's going towards just good times and ignoring that life is usually more like a tragedy. It's foolish to live as if life is a comedy. And what wakes us up from this fantasy that, that life is just fun and games is death. It, it wakes us up from the illusion that life is, is not short and not fragile. You would be a wiser person if you woke up every day thinking, I might die today. Than if you never thought about death, uh, it, that'd also be kind of weird. So I'm not encouraging to to think that necessarily, but it would be wiser to to do that than to never think about death. Uh, when we're in, when we enter the house of mourning, our eyes are open to reality. We're all going to die. It might be later. It might be soon. But it's it's coming. Uh, soon after I graduated, I had, had a friend and. Uh, he started to sell insurance, and um, and he said, you know, the funny thing about selling insurance is, you know, you sell car insurance and home insurance, everybody's got that, but life insurance is a like nobody wants to to get that, and it's like that's the one thing that's gonna happen for sure. You know, maybe they get in a wreck, maybe they don't, maybe they their house burns down, maybe it doesn't, but everybody's going to die. But when we are in a house that is in mourning, we're becoming wiser than when we're in a house where there's partying. Now let's let's look at uh, verse eight. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. So I have a lot of things I've started. I'm not finished. I get distracted. I get busy. I wonder if it was a good idea to begin with or if it's worth the effort. But every now and then, I finish something. The work is complete and the job is done. And what the preacher's saying here, the end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. And in this world where so many things go wrong, we're interrupted, we're distracted, it's easy to start something. It's difficult to finish something. The second part of verse 8 says this, And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. We live in a broken world with broken people, and most importantly, we are broken ourselves. Therefore, we require a lot of patience. I've said this before, but one thing about having kids is that it kind of um, um, exposes what you really believe and think about God and theology and, and things like that. For example, like as parents, we could all say um, patience is better than pride. We want our children to learn patience. We don't want them to be prideful. Everybody agrees it's good. But kind of going back to what Brian was mentioning earlier, what if our our prayers, our prayer life might be lending itself more towards goals that are that are more oriented to making them prideful than making them patient? And the things that God might be doing to make them patient, we might be praying against that. Uh, so our, our theology kind of comes out with what we— what we really pray for. But if you're like me, I tend to pray for things, for me, for my children, for people I love, that probably promote pride more than they would promote patience. But patience is better than pride. One of those things we all agree on until we start to pray. (laughs) All right, uh, verse 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Again, if you're like me, you have some... Days and moments when you are on edge, you can feel it. You're just not right. Or to use the language of the preacher, anger is lodged in your heart. And when anger is lodged in your heart, you're about to do or say something foolish. This actually happened to me. Last week, I was I was on edge, or as the, the preacher would say, anger was lodged in my heart. Something happened that kind of triggered it. It didn't need much. It was it was ready to come out. And 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 the good news and bad news for me uh, is that uh, I married a woman, Missy, who, as they say, does not suffer fools. And so, uh, as the anger began to spill out, she let me know that she didn't intend to hear it all the way out, which was. Wise of her, because I could tell she knew, and I knew, even though I wouldn't admit at the time, I was angry, and it was just finding a place to come out. So, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Moving on to verse ten, say not where why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Like there's a there's a type of nostalgia that's that's sweet. You know, maybe it's driving through the old neighborhood that you grew up in. Uh, seeing old friends or old places you used to hang out at, uh, the smell of charcoal burning on the grill. And these things happen, and just happy memories flood in. And that, of course, isn't wrong. It's, it's sweet, right? But there's a, a type of nostalgia that, that deceives you about how this, this fallen and broken world works. And the tendency can be to imagine this old world or this old time as better than it actually was, and, and then with that mixture comes, this time was great, and this time we're in now is terrible. And what it can do is it can glorify the past in a way that sours the present moment in which we live. And one of the things we keep seeing on repeat in Ecclesiastes is to live in the present. This is, the, the, this is what God is giving us, and we should learn to enjoy the moment that we're actually living in. And, you know, on the other side, we've talked about this already— but but uh, often we hear uh, the, the preacher talks about not chasing money and chasing after riches and, and instead, rather than that, live in the moment. And so this, this, this nostalgia type thing, what it does is it keeps us from living in the moment. And so d- d- depending on our situation, or wherever we might be, we might look forward and we think, oh, man, once if, I, if I can get there in life, then I'll be good. Or we might look back just like, man, I wish I could just be back then. Then I'd be good. And either way, what what the preacher is telling us is just like, we got to fight to live in the moment. It's what God is actually giving us, and it's what's real now. But looking backwards can take us out of the present. Uh, Next, uh, verse 10 through 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. This doesn't seem all that spiritual, but when life is short, meaningless, and seemingly pointless, the combination of wisdom, money, and knowledge will go a long way to protect you. Now, when, when the scriptures speak about money, it's usually warning us about it, right? Right? So whoever has the love of money is going to be uh, is going to suffer pangs and all these things that is going to be go, go poorly for us. But one of the things I appreciate about Ecclesiastes is that it acknowledges that it's actually really really helpful. What we all know, right? And it, later on in Ecclesiastes, he's going to say that money uh, is the answer to everything. It solves a lot of problems, and and that's why the rest of the scriptures have so many warnings about money. But having wisdom with money is helpful. It's a good thing, and the way that money can protect you, so wisdom can protect you. So, so, so in summary, the preacher asked, in, in, uh, in verse chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, what is good in this short, vain, seemingly pointless life that we live? And then he answered the question with these things. These things are good in a short and empty life. A good reputation— Mourning death with others, the end of a thing rather than the beginning of a thing, patience, living in the present instead of the past, and wisdom. These things are good in a life that seems vain and short. So the priester asks what was good in this short life, but he answers his own question with what is good, and there's one more thing that he wants us to do. He wants us to consider something. So my third point, the consideration. Look at verse 13 to 14 in chapter 7. Verse 13, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Consider this, God makes some things straight and some things crooked. He is, over, he is in control over the good things and the bad things. He is the one who is responsible for the day of prosperity. He is the one responsible for the days of adversity. In Isaiah 45, 7, we read this, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. He makes the day of prosperity and the day of adversity. The preacher wants us to consider this, to meditate on it. God is the one who makes well-being, and he makes calamity. If you're in a season of well-being, it is from the Lord. If you're in a season of calamity, it is from the Lord. Now, when we're in a season of well-being and prosperity, we just thank them and go about our happy way, right? And we don't really have any questions. But when God makes calamity for us, that's when we have some questions, right? When things go unreasonably bad and it doesn't make sense, then we have questions for God. And let me say this, don't do it. Don't start asking these questions. Go back to the beginning of our text in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. Verse 10, whatever has come to be has already been named and it is known that what, it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. Speaking of God, the more words, the more vanity and what is the advantage to man? These things come from God. We're, we're not going to win an argument. We're, we're not, we're not going to shed some light on God that he didn't know. But, oh, well, gosh, I didn't think that would make it a tough season for you. We're not, we're not going to win a dispute with God on that. And, and it would be cl- kind of cliche to say, well, whatever's going on, on with life, whatever problems, it just is what it is. That's a bit cliche, but I think we can add to it to make it a bit better. We can say this, it is what it is, and what it is, is from the Lord. And learn to just simply live with that. Because if it is from the Lord, and what we're seeing here it is, prosperity or calamity. If it is from the Lord, we don't need to argue with him about it. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? We just need to accept it. Life will be a mystery. We don't know what will happen. We just really don't know what's going on in general. And this is what the preacher means in 6.12 when he says this, Who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will come after him under the sun? And we see that last phrase again in 7.14. It says this, In the day of prosperity be joyful, in the day of adversity consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him again, this idea of like we don't know what's coming, and so look, there's good news here. Here's the good news and the, the main idea of, of I think the text and my message today. You ready for the main idea? You've already heard me say it. Here it is: We just don't know what's going on, <laughs> and what we're seeing here is that it's by design. So, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Why did he do that? So that man, this could be my paraphrase, would be clueless. We don't know what's going on and it's by design. Therefore, since you don't have a clue what God is doing in the past, in the present, and in the future, you should consider what is good. What ought you to do now? Here's some things. Work on forming a good reputation. Mourn with those who mourn. Celebrate the end of a thing. Be patient. Don't live in the past. Get wisdom and use money wisely. But while you do those things, don't forget it is God who is at work. Consider the work of God. And and what is the work of God? I guess that can be answered in several ways, but the preacher referred to the days of prosperity and adversity as the work of God. But consider also what Jesus said about the work of God. In John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, Jesus says this They said to Jesus, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The work of God in you is you putting your trust and hope completely in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And and what do we hope in him for? What are we trusting him with? What are the things that we are going to hope in Christ for? And what are the things that we're trusting him with? Here's three things. Everything that has happened, everything that's happening, and everything that will happen. Somehow, we don't know how, somehow Jesus is going to make everything new and right. And that just needs to be enough. That just needs to be enough for us now. You know, um, every now and then, I- I'm one of those nerds who will watch ESPN Classic. i watch an old game that's gone by. Uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll watch a game that I remember watching and I was maybe emotionally invested in at the time. <laughs> it's a lot better to watch after the game's already over, right? You know you win. Um, and you watch it, and you see the, the bad things happen, and you're just like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. That interception is no big deal because we end up winning. It's great. And I think, I think what Jesus, what he accomplished at the cross, when he said, it is finished, he said, it will all work out in the end. Everything that has happened, is happening, or will happen, it will all become straight in the end. He says, who can make uh, straight what, what God has made crooked? God can't. He can make it straight, and he will. And that is what we get with the finished work of Jesus Christ. He will make all things new. It will all work out in the end. And it is very much okay that we don't have a clue what is going on now. And that, the idea that we don't have a clue what's going on now, that is by design. Let's pray. Father, how merciful it is for you to teach us repeatedly that we don't know what's going on. Otherwise, we might be so foolish as to trust in ourselves or abilities or other people or whatever, but you have orchestrated the world uh, that we lean on you. Uh, And when when we are in our right minds, we know that you are our only hope. So would you teach us in the days of prosperity and the days of adversity that our hope is in you? Uh, And would you help us to love you and be faithful to you in the meantime?